0: This is the Let's Get Real Estate Show with your host, Danielle Chason. Full-time investor, strategic consultant, motivational coach, sought-after speaker, and host of your number one real estate investing show, Let's Get Real Estate. Where real people
1: are doing real estate. Okay, we are back for another podcast, guys. Thanks for jumping on. Thank you for your uh, listenership, if that's even a word. Uh, I want to welcome back Hong. We've actually had her before on the podcast and uh, just an amazing, an amazing uh, bomb drop about the Smith's maneuver and how to focus on getting mortgage free. Um, Maybe that's not a strategy that newbies are really interested in right from the get-go, but that is definitely something you should be doing with your primary residence because as Hong said on that, uh, on that podcast, you know, ultimately that's your insurance policy. If something happens, that you you will always have your home, and then you'll have the equity in your home as well to protect your investments, uh, in a downward market. So um, I love that. And closer to even just when you're getting closer to retirement, using that Smith Smith maneuver, hit up your mortgages hard so you can cash out, be mortgage free and just live off of your income. I love that. So thank you so much for coming back, Hong. Here we are again. Woo-hoo. Um, so a little bit about Hong, uh, Hong's a former, uh, engineer, uh, you went to university here in Toronto to be an engineer and, um, you did that for quite a few years. And then you went into, um, I guess you got a taste of real estate with, uh, your house hacking with other people's money on your first property. And, uh, that kind of gave you that it kind of was like a little bug. It gave you the itch, right. And, uh, went to school for being a project manager and an engineer and here you are real estate investor. (laughs) That's great. Um, so yeah, so now you're doing more passive stuff, right? So I love that. I love seeing, I think Kong, you and I connected five or six years ago. Um, and I, I, just really truly enjoyed seeing your journey. I, uh, I, when I met you, you were a mortgage agent. Um, and I've just had a front seat to seeing you grow and develop and truly find your mojo, like find your rhythm into what you're doing. And um, yeah, ultimately, now you're not managing your own assets, you're managing finances, your money and others, and doing more investing uh, on the investing side passively. And, uh, and I think ultimately, we all want to grow into that, right? So I love that. Um, And while you're doing that, you're helping others build their retirement portfolios using their RSP money, right? And um, that's what I wanted to bring you back on and talk to you about, because the, you know, you're a coach, and you see a lot of people, and they say, I don't have many money to invest, and you're like, wait a minute, you know, what about this? So tell me a little bit about that with, um, with RSPs.
0: Yeah, so I started down this path of RSP investing, because one of the things that I saw with with my coaching clients was they would come to me with their bank statements with their investments. And they're like, Hong, am I making a good return here? And we would sit down and go through their statements. And they had no idea how to read their statements in the sense that were they making above average or even average returns on their money. And then this follow-up question would always be Hong. I'm worried that I'm not going to have enough money to retire. I'm not gonna have enough money to live the lifestyle that I want in retirement. And so, one of the things that we would always do once we go down that path is look at where their RSPs are and their retirement money and figure out are they really maximizing on their return? And the answer most of the time is no, they're not, right? And then figuring out, okay, well, how much do they need to be able to retire and have the lifestyle that they want after retirement, right? And so one of the things that I do, um, with my RSPs was first, when I was actually working full time, I would max out on the contributions that the companies gave me. So I was very lucky in my first job, the company that I worked with gave me a one-to-one match. So for every dollar that I put into my RSP, they matched it by a dollar. Right. And then the second company I went to, they it was a dollar to every 50 cents. And then so every single company that I went to go work for, they had some sort of a contribution match. And so I took advantage of that. Now, the thing that really bit me was that after a couple of years of working as a full time engineer, seeing my RSP account grow, I realized I was only making about four to five percent return on that retirement money. And that's when it hit me. I was like, this can't be right. Like, I I have to be able to make a little bit more than this. Like, am I going to be able to retire off of 4 or 5% on my retirement money? And that's the, the same sort of questions that I have with my coaching clients, right? And so one of the things that I learned as part of my real estate journey was using my RSPs to hold mortgages. I basically now use my RSP as a bank to fund other people's real estate deals. And I make- But wait a minute,
1: isn't that illegal? (laughs) (laughs) Wait,
0: and there's more. No, There's more, but but wait. (laughs) It's all legit. It's all done through lawyers. It's all done through uh, the corporations, like the banks. And it is all monitored. Like CR, everything's reported. Everything's on the up and up. But on top of that, here, here's the kicker, Danielle, is that you can consistently make 10% return on this money. Oh, wait, and there's
1: more. Okay. I want to hold it right there. <laughs> oh, wait, there's more. But hang on. Hang on. <laughs> I got to hold it right there. Hold it right there. Because, <laughs> okay. and as you know, I have a course on teaching people how to use a registered funds to lend on mortgages. There's and yes, it is legal. So for anybody who's out there listening, saying, "But isn't that illegal?" I do it. Hong does it, and a lot of people in our network do it, and we're increasing our net worth through that. Um, but here's what I want to say: you said a word right there that was really, really important. It's consistent returns, and that is that is key, and it's critical because when you're investing in a mutual fund, or even if you have a portfolio, like a a, a financial manager. Um, which I have but it's inconsistent. One year you're going to do this much and next year you're going to do less and then like your annual yield is going to be fluctuating. It's not going to be that consistent. And so um through mortgages and through lending becoming the bank and this is what I love. Who doesn't want to be the bank? Right? So becoming the bank and lending out your RSPS and being that mortgage holder Um, that's, I just, I love that. Anyway, the consistent returns. Okay. There's more, but wait, there's more Hong said, what else you got?
0: (laughs) That's right. But wait, there's more that when you act as the bank and you're lending out your RSP money as private mortgages, you're registering that as on a property. So there's collateral. So your investment is protected.
1: Explain to me the difference between asset-based lending and uh, a stock. Why don't you I want have that to protection explain? with a stock? <laughs> yeah, just tell me, like, why, why would you say that, you know, you know, it's better to invest in a mortgage?
0: Okay. Because so some sort I'm, of insurance, gonna, right? Yeah, yeah. So, so the thing is, with putting your money on in, in a private mortgage and then having a collateral in a physical home, right, if something was to go wrong with the person who's borrowing that money, for whatever reason, they lose their job, you have a physical asset, right? When you buy into stocks, if the stock market crashes, your money's gone. There's no guarantees there, right? There's there's nothing for you to go to the bank and say, "Hey, I've I've got a lien on this property," right? Mm-hmm. You you don't put a lien on a stock.
1: You're so right. Um, and for all of those control freaks out there that are like me. Uh, honestly, having, having that sense of, I have control over my, over my, uh, investment. So I'm lending out, that's an investment vehicle that I'm using, but I have control over that because there is an asset. And if the borrower or even the property starts kind of falling apart, you know, and they're in breach of contract, I can call that mortgage and say, wait, you're not keeping up the maintenance as per the mortgage. Um, and that's what is detailed out in the mortgage. And so there's, I mean, it gives me a sense of control, a sense of security and almost an insurance. It's not an insurance policy. I just want to be clear about that. But it's almost an assurance that, hey, I have some recourse if something goes sideways. Now there's always a risk you could lose um, in any investment strategy, but ultimately I think it's minimized. So I love that. Um, yeah. So one of you the things have,
0: that I do to protect myself And to protect the individuals that I coach on this type of money strategy is we can choose who to be the bank for, right? So we look at the individual, we look at the property, we look at the overall deal and we make a decision, okay, is this somebody that we can trust that we can lend our money to in anticipation of making that return, right? We have full control over that right? Whereas with buying stocks, you are picking the stock, you know, you have no control who's running that, that company, you have no control what's happening in the whole economic picture around how stocks go up and down. But with the property with that individual that you are putting um, a mortgage on their property, you have control who you choose to put your money and put your money out there for
1: 100%. I couldn't agree with you more. Um, ultimately, you know, there are three risks in the stock market. One is the CEO and the management team of the company, if they run that company into the ground. Two is the industry they're in, because the industry could go south. And three, it just could be an overall market change, um, like in 2008, when the market crashed, and, you know, and even back in 2002, and, and, and back in the 90s. So you know, you don't have control over those things. And then the difference is too is that when those crashes come, they come hard and they come fast. You don't see it coming. Very rarely are you able to protect your assets by moving out. By the time you realize what's going on, it's already too late. Um, as opposed to the real estate market, if there's any shift in the market, um, it usually takes months. And there's a lot of red flags and and a lot of indicators out there where you can maybe renegotiate your mortgage or call the g- mortgage or Talk to your investor, um, the the, the borrower, and you know, come up with a plan to protect your investment and theirs. Ultimately, so I love that. I love that you can, um, again, as maybe the control freak in me, but I love the fact that you can pick who you want to work with, uh, vet them, you can vet the property before you move forward. So I love that. Yeah. Um, what so else would Danielle, you say? Can I share a
0: funny story with you? Mm. Yeah. Please. So yes. my son is. My son is um, eight years old now. And one of the ways that I was trying to motivate him with his homework was I would give him a dollar a day for for his schooling. And I said, okay, you can take that dollar and buy a toy or buy candy, or you could give it back to mom, the bank of mom, and I will invest that dollar for you. And I will give you 10% return on that dollar. And he goes, mom, 10% sucks. That's awesome. So, so I'm sitting there going, okay, I need to figure out how to make more than 10% on my money because my kid wants more than 10%. <laughs> so the RRSP is going to make you go broke. Five- <laughs> well, doing private mortgages is one of those ways that I've been able to make more than 10%.
1: And it's important to note too that it's, you know, there's no set fees. Like when you're buying into a mutual fund, you have no control over the the points. You don't have any control over the fees. And ultimately, um with private mortgages, when you're doing um private mortgages and you're being the bank, typically the borrower will pay all of the fees and you can negotiate the rate. And if you don't like the rate, you just don't borrow or just don't lend rather. And you can add administrative points or lender fees on top of that so that it helps a little bit with, um, you know, kind of upping your points a little bit overall. So, um, those points that you charge, those lender fees and admin fees cover the time when your money is kind of, um, you know in between deals sort of thing, so you know that way you can maintain that consistent return of ten or twelve percent like I lend at twelve point three, and that gives me if my money is you know continuously invested, it makes me fifteen percent a year now that's almost three times as much as I make in a in a mutual fund you know um and so that's that's pretty significant that's that's i'm gonna double my money three times faster. You know, when you think about it, it's actually going to be more than that when you do the math properly. But, you know, ultimately, because then you got to take compounding interest, right? But I don't want to get too technical here. But ultimately, um, building that, and by the way, the beauty about doing it with registered funds is that you're using government money that you've deferred paying. So you can build up that nest egg so much faster because you're using government money to make points on, to make interest on. So I that is just significant to me. I don't know why any why why no not everybody is doing it. It's crazy.
0: So can I share a ninja tip with you around how to grow that um those registered funds a lot faster? So since the TFSA came out, right? We've been able to put money into our TFSA and then whatever is growing that TFSA is tax-free, right? So all the interest, whether it's 10%, 15%, whatever investment vehicle that you're putting it in, it's completely tax-free. Okay. So one of the things that you can do in addition to using your RSP to do the private lending and the mortgages is to use your TFSA to do the exact same thing. So now the entire amount of your TFSA is completely tax-free and it's holding on a mortgage. And so there's collateral there to protect you.
1: That is so key. And, you know, um, that TFSA, by the way, for investors is a really nice insurance policy for yourself. Should you come into problems, financial problems, and you have an unexpected cost? Like, I don't know, you know what? Meteor comes and smashes through the house and t- tears out the roof. You know, there's a lot of things that could happen, probably not that, but you know, a flood could have happened, a pipe burst, um, you know, a tenant vandalized your unit. There's a, a ton of things that could happen, but um, but anyway, yeah, so that's I mean, that TFSA, if you can build it up, the faster you can build it up, you don't get penalized when you withdraw it. So that's the beauty of the TFSA. So that is kind of like an insurance policy for yourself, yeah. So Hong, there's um, you have an online course on how to grow your real estate portfolio from beginning yes. to end, and you yes. talk about using RSPs in that course, right?
0: Yes, I I do absolutely what because do you- so one of the things that I realized several years ago uh, when I got into mortgages was that we are not maximizing the use of our RSPs. And a lot of people, when they talk about RSPs, they're thinking about the first-time home buyers. They don't realize that there's this other avenue that you could be using your RSPs for. And so the RSP mortgages is definitely a way for people to utilize their RSPs. And especially if you are working in a profession where you make decent money and you're able to contribute to your RSP annually, this is another way to look at saying, you know what, can I make more return on my RSP if I was to be the bank? Right. And so in my online course, we do go through how to use your RSP, how to use your TFSA to maximize your RSP mortgages so that you're making 20 percent plus in your TFSA completely tax free. And we go through all the legals. We go through the calculations and how to vet people to lend your RSPs and potentially tag on your TFSA so that you're maximizing that out. And we cover all of that in the course.
1: And let's say I'm working, you know, I'm a high net worth individual. I'm trading time for money. I got a T4 income and uh, I'm just not in the real estate space. Like, you know, that's great Hong, that you're telling me I can use my RSPs and maybe I've maxed out my RSPs and I'm like, okay, well, I'd like to explore this, but how, how do I, where, how do I find the people that are investing like Danielle and, and say, Hey, you know, I'd like to lend to you. How do I find those people?
0: Oh gosh, there's. You know, so for there's so many individuals out there that are always looking for money to fund their next real estate deal. So even if you don't know anything about real estate, and especially if you don't even want to actually own physical real estate, this RSP mortgage and this TFSA mortgage lending is a great path. And, you know, one of the ways that I've been able to transition out of acquiring properties and managing properties on my own is doing private lending. And doing the private lending has given me that passive income so that I can go traveling full time. Right. So the way to start one is to just get the education. Right. There's courses available online. There's courses with Danielle. There's courses with me. Get the education first right? Know what options are out there. And then the next thing is really get a coach to help you through your first couple of deals. Once you have that, you can either decide to do it on your own after that, or you keep it with your coaches and your team, and you can have somebody else sort of manage it for you.
1: That's brilliant. I also want to just point out take a minute there to point out that, um, we are talking about registered funds and even though we're Canadian and we call them RRSPs here, it's a registered retirement savings plan. And there's different um, different accounts that are registered accounts that are similar to that. It, it's the equivalent of what a 401k would be in the States and any registered plan there in the States. And I'm sure in other countries worldwide, I just wanted to put that out there because we are in a podcast. And so this is going to kind of go global because it hits like, you know, the virtual world, and there's no boundaries. So I just want to make sure that I put that out there. So people know what it is exactly that we're talking about. But um, I love it because it's limitless, it gives you options. And it really, um, before we sign off, I I wanted to say, like, I think for a lot of people that don't understand the the rule of 72, it's the power of points. And let me tell you, if you just want to put your money in an RSP at four to 6%, that's in a mutual fund, that's, you know, making that four to 6%, that's fine, but you need to understand the rule of 72. So whatever interest rate you've got, uh, on your portfolio, divide that into 72. And that's how many years it's going to take you to double your, double your retirement fund. So if you put into context, if you got a decent mutual fund and you're doing 6%, but then you're lending at a consistent 12% annually, uh, through, uh, self-directed funds, you've now doubled your time instead of doing uh, what's six into 72. It's um, what is it? Six into 72, 12, right? So it takes you 12 years to double your money. Twelve years. And then if you're going to, if you're getting 12%, it takes you six years to double your money. So you're going to more than triple your money in 12 years. It's going to be more than, and I say that because of compounding interest, but truly it's the rule of 72 guys look at a table, you know, say, okay, if it's the rule of 72, what does it look like? I mean, I map that out in my course. So people understand because that really is once the blinders are off and you understand that rule, then you're like, you're not going to be happy anymore with a mutual fund. I'm telling you right now. Um, but uh but in any event that's awesome and you've got that course. I know you teach all of that stuff in your course. I think um I think you're doing an awesome service while you're servicing yourself and your family and enriching yourself. You're giving it back to others, and I think that's just tremendous. I you know, I I just wanna thank you so much for your time. Before we sign off though, I know you already gave us a ninja a ninja tip, but do you have like some sort of aha moment or ninja tip that you can share with everyone who's listening right now word of advice yes
0: the yes yeah, so absolutely the the advice is really just start now even if it's with fifty dollars a hundred dollars get some of that money into a tfsa match your company's contribution whatever amount they're matching you max it out so that you can get their money into your rsps yeah just that challenge the mindset around there around, around having to save for your RSP.
1: I love that. That is so brilliant. And, you know, uh, we talked about this, I think on the last call about a forced savings plan. I mean, if you just have an automatic withdrawal out of your bank account on payday, you won't even see it. And really quickly, that money is going to go up and up and up. And maybe you don't think you have enough money to invest in a, in a second mortgage right now. And by the way, you don't need $400,000 to invest in a mortgage. 20 will do it for some people. Sometimes they just need, you know, a short term Gap or whatever, um, and that happens, or maybe for renovations. So um, that is great advice, awesome advice, Hong. Okay, so we're gonna build out a page where everybody. I'm gonna shoot everyone. It's gonna be in the show notes, the link for it. Um, so just go to that website and click on that to learn everything you need to know about Hong to get her book. To oh, we didn't even talk about your book. I don't know. If, um, oh, just, do you book. have your book yeah. there? Yeah. yeah, flash your book. Yeah, okay. So, um, that's, um, different. That's how to be mortgage free in 10 years. Uh, it's a great book. I yes. think, uh, everybody should see it. It talks about different, uh, strategies that you can use in order to become mortgage free, which is ultimately what everybody wants. And, uh, anyway, so we'll have a link, get a hold of you, call Hong, see if it makes sense, uh, to jump on board and get some, yes.
0: I was going to say, I have a white paper on private lending about using money for RSPs and just lending that out as a being the bank. So I do have that private paper, which I will uh, include in that page of yours. Wonderful.
1: Always give it back. I love it, hon. Thank you so much for your time. I know you're busy traveling the world and sometimes it's uh, difficult. I just want to put it out there with the delays and stuff. I want to say thank you to all the listeners for your patience with the uh, little bit of a delay with the internet there. But uh, ultimately, hope you got some value. I know I did. Thanks again, Hong. We love you. We'll have to bring you back again sometime soon. Thank
0: you again, Danielle. Love you too. Thank you.